When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back to the Love Tennis Podlet. I think this is the day eight edition. It is a little hard to keep track. I'm James Gray of iNewspaper and iNews.co.uk. I've got George Belshaw, who I'm delighted to say is alive and well, despite concerns that he might have been MIA on Sunday. George, do you have an official written apology that you want to read out? Yeah, I just want to apologise to all the fans, to my colleagues. I've uh, let us all down. Um, and most importantly, I've let myself down. Um, I think it's I have important. been watching lots of tennis, so I have <laughs> been keeping up and I've been enjoying the podcasts, and it's been great. Um, but I'm sorry, I've, I've not been contributing as much as I'd, I'd have liked to. Damn 30 birthday plans and celebrations and whatever. I think it's important that we all now concentrate on, on getting on with the job. Absolutely, um, I do. You know, George has got That's the what the public want us to do. It is, it's exactly what they want us to do. Um, George has got the big calls right over the last two years, and I think we need to respect that. Um, even, even if his family values leave something to be desired. Uh, let's move on. We've got uh, loads to talk about. It was a busy day yesterday. For the first time in a long time, I spent an entire five-set match sitting in a press box uh, without moving, which I don't think I've ever done. Admittedly, it didn't last very long. Not um, even to go to the toilet. That's no, a literally. Good effort. Well, in fairness, it's because Nick Kyrgios and Brandon Akashima only needed three hours, ten minutes yeah. to do five yeah. sets, so it wasn't a true five-setter. Uh, there were also wins yesterday for Christian Garin, Taylor Fritz and Rafa Nadal. In the women's, Elena Rybakina, Ayla Tomlanovic, Simona Halep and Amanda Anasimova booked their slots in the last eight to complete the quarter-final draw, which then gets underway today at Wimbledon with Djokovic versus Sinner, Goffin versus Norrie, Maria versus Niemeyer and Buzkova versus Jabur. Um, George, let's start with yesterday. As I say, Kyrgios and Nakashima, five sets. Kyrgios went a set down early on. He started feeling his shoulder. He had a medical timeout. Uh, he eventually came through in the fifth set, 6-2. Uh, 
uh, having tanked the last game of the fourth set in what he called a rope-a-dope tactic to put his opponent off, and he says that it worked. Um, I guess the main concern is the shoulder. He was feeling it in warm-up. He felt it throughout the first set. He had a medical timeout at the beginning of the second, but immediately after that medical timeout, he smashed down 136 mile an hour ace, so it can't have been bothering him that much. <laughs> well, adrenaline's a powerful thing, James, so I would... Uh... <laughs> Not, uh, <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't want to like say whether it'll be it, it'll be really interesting how he kind of bounces back or not. I mean, the Kyrgios kind of run is really um, it's been great for the tournament. I think like in terms of getting eyes on seats. You know, went out for dinner yesterday for my housemate's birthday, and people who aren't into tennis are kind of sat there talking about him. And you know, I think that is only good for the sport. I, I was kind of flashing back to the U.S. hard court swing earlier this year when. We all were kind of commenting he was actually playing quite well, looking quite up for it. And we sort of did joke then, could Kyrgios win Wimbledon? Is is this actually going to happen? Is that going to be the time? And it's really opened up. It's looking great. But the one thing we also said back then is it'll either be a meltdown or an injury that will stop him. If it, you know, obviously Nadal and Djokovic aside, who are also pretty decently sized obstacles. But, you know, you kind of feel they're the things that are going to let him down. And, I just I do worry a little bit about the shoulder now, but I think he's got a great chance against Garin. You know, first quarter final for him. Um, you know, Nick's not been past this stage either, so it's the first experience, I suppose, um, in many ways. Whoever comes through, but yeah, I, I, I fancy him if he can just hang on to the shoulder, keep it onto his arm, and uh, yeah, who knows? Who knows? Uh, I think he said afterwards when someone asked him about it, he, he wasn't particularly deflective but he certainly didn't answer the question straight he said he woke up after six pass and had some shoulder pain he uh, i've played so much tennis in the last month and a half so i almost knew it was time for my body to start feeling some niggles i think that's normal at this time of the event i don't think anyone's feeling 100 percent. even rafa you see him dealing with something niggling all the time i just don't think there's anyone feeling 100 percent um it's just something i manage now we often say and i think it is true that all tennis players are injured all the time in one shape or form. But I thought it was significant that he didn't say, oh, you know, yeah, I've had this shoulder problem for a while, or, oh, it's something new. or It just felt somehow like he was avoiding the question. It's quite funny because, like, in commentary, they were they were talking about that aspect a little bit, about players who show they're injured versus those who don't. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I always... We've spoken about injuries before. It's like a really hard thing for us to comment on because we're never quite sure of the severity and you know how how you know how debilitating it is and how much it's affecting their actual game. But they were kind of talking about how you know Rafa just he wouldn't have let them see the shoulder if it was just like a niggle. He'd kind of kept it under wraps, you know, hidden it to the bitter end, not talked about it or whatever. Which maybe was a little bit unfair on Nick, given we don't know what's going on exactly, but. As you say, he could still bolt down some massive serves, but it, it is often the recovery the days after that really is more telling than on, you know, on centre court midway through adrenaline pumping. Um, so it's a wait and see. But I don't think he needs to be at his best to beat Garin in many ways. I've not been that, you know, it's not been the toughest draw for Garin. I know he had to work hard against Dimonor, but I think if you're getting Dimonor in the last 
16 of a slam, you'd be quite happy, to be honest. I think that's about his kind of ceiling. Maybe that's a little bit harsh. But... I think that's incredibly harsh. I mean, Alex de Manoa is a good player on grass. I mean, as Calvin... He's a good player. Calvin for said the on... last 16 tie, I mean, like, that's where you're expecting the, the best oh. 16 in the world. And he's, like, low down there. You know what I mean? Like, you'd take that at the start of a tournament. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I can agree with that. But I think beating him in five sets, especially having been two sets down, is a pretty decent-sized achievement. It's I a think great effort. It, I think also, um, on, on Kyrgios, uh, the treatment he was having yesterday was sort of on the back of his shoulder, flat up by sort of between the neck and the shoulder. And, and the shot I actually thought he was most hindered on is his backhand, which is not so much a problem because he doesn't really have much of a backhand. But <laughs> he definitely seemed to be... I mean, I would need to check the, the backhand speeds, and I don't have access to that data, but I might ask Mark Petchy or someone who might. But he definitely looked like he was softballing the backhand in because if you think about how you hit a two-handed backhand... That requires a bit more rotation through the kind of back of the shoulder, I think. Weirdly, his backhand's not that great a rotation. It's quite a weird, like, patty shot. Mm. Um, he, I've seen him just pat it in quite a lot as well. I mean, I, I wasn't watching closely enough to kind of be thinking, is Which that bit being of his shoulder was injured, hindered? Yeah. Like, you, you're always thinking more about the serve. And for me, actually, when I've had shoulder problems with one of my many injuries, actually kind of high forehands were really painful. Like, mm. kind of, well, fortunately, really Kyrgios yeah. doesn't really hit a high forehand, so it's not really a problem. <laughs> he, like, cocks it from a bit lower, doesn't yeah, exactly. he? Yeah, um, the, the other thing is on Garin, I think Garin's a, a pretty bad matchup for Kyrgios. Not, not in ordinary circumstances. I think if he got him in the first round of Wimbledon, he'd be delighted because Garin is a clay quarter and Kyrgios will probably call him a pusher. Um, but I think Nakashima was a great... Um, incidentally, and I want to put this on record, Brandon Nakashima played great and is going I to did, play yeah. some really big matches. Um, but it's a great matchup for Kyrgios because Nakashima is just Kyrgios but not as good. You know, he's got a really effective serve. I think his serving efficacy was up at 96.7% before that match. Um, he obviously has a decent-sized forehand as well and tends to play very short points to the extent, as I said at the top, that a five-set match took three hours, ten minutes. I mean, Rafa plays some two-set matches that take that long. <laughs> like, I, Actually, I think I'm right in saying that the first two sets against Zverev were not far off that. It was they, certainly... they were three hours and they yeah. haven't finished it yet. No, exactly. Um, I mean, okay, completely different circumstances. On the play as well, but yeah. You know, and you get my point. I mean, it was stupid quick. Like The first set was 6-4 and it took 28 minutes. Like That's just, just insane. Um, and that did slow down a bit. I thought Kyrgios also looked tired. I think he was, apart from that first set, he was moving incredibly slowly between points, which really isn't his style usually. And I just think if Garen's going to take him, like, you know, through even three or four 55-minute sets, it's going to start to hurt him. Yeah, I mean, I remember, I think it might have been 2019, 2020, hearing Leighton Hewitt kind of talking about Nick and, like, his biggest problem. Obviously, there's been lots of back and forth in the Davis Cup team for Australia where there's been fallouts or whatever, you know, shock in an Aussie team. But, um, you know, he was kind of talking about how it takes you a year to really build up tour fitness in terms of having your body get used to the rigours and, like, actually playing it all the time. And, you know, as Calvin says, Kyrgios is a little bit of a, a part-time player in terms of he isn't there week in, week out. Mm. And now it is a big test, you know. He's come through for best of five set matches he's not done that for seven years he's gonna have to come through a guy who is gonna keep the ball in play a lot he'll have to be, break him down a lot i mean i think he can overpower garen and he might kind of surprise us how well he can get through him but 
he'll want to keep that quick because if he gets through that and it's another five set slog, you, you, you wouldn't give him much of a chance if it was Nadal kind of turning up there because he's put, making fairly light work of people um, as the tournament progresses and, you know, he's just in brilliant form this year. So, yeah, I'm still not convinced Nick's going to win the whole thing. But if we get, you know, Djokovic versus Nori, it would be a lovely British match in one semi final and Kyrgios Nadal in the other. I think I think that can be classed as a pretty exciting lineup heading towards the weekend. Yeah, agreed. Um, you mentioned Rafa there and what good form he's in, and uh, you know the movement in terms of the calendar year Grand Slam. I was trying to think back about when we started talking about the calendar year Grand Slam with Djokovic, and actually the the answer is about 2020 because I'm pretty sure you said he was going to win the calendar year Grand <laughs> Slam, like about six months in advance of the season even starting. So. In that sense, we're a bit skewed, but maybe we haven't mentioned it because it's kind of crept up on us. I think the the thing with the Djokovic. I mean, one, sorry, just for the record, we have mentioned it. It's just that we, we have, haven't we have really been it. serious about it. I think the, th- the thing is with these guys, there's there's certain points in the season where it kind of matters more, and I think for Djokovic, it was always the French Open, just because Nadal's so dominant there that yeah. for Djokovic to win it, like. You kind of know if he's got a chance or not, if he can kind of overcome that hurdle. Nadal's first hurdle, in many ways, is Australia because he's not won that for years, and that was almost kind of a bit of a—I don't want to call it an open goal without Djokovic. But, you know, that's a, a massive boost for that tournament. Mm. But this is the one he's only won it a couple of times. Obviously, had that epic ding dong with Djokovic back in 2018 in the semis. You know, th- th- this is the one that if he, if he wins this. You've kind of back him to win the US now, like mm. from there. I'm not saying I wouldn't back him either way, but you know, this, this is a massive few days for him. If he can come through, win this title, Djokovic probably won't get to the US Open. Mm. You know, well, so who else out there is going to stop? Country. <laughs> so who else is going to stop this guy? You, you know, you're looking at Medvedev, he'll be fired up, and that'll be a tough match. But he's come through him in Australia, and you'd argue to say Rafa's better at the US. So yeah, I mean, who knows? I think. Yeah, I think I agree with you. I mean, the other thing to consider is that Rafa's got to get to the end of the season. You know, he he has obviously huge injury problems at the moment. He's been through a lot of injury problems. The yep. US Open is still some weeks and months away, and he's he's got to get there unencumbered. Um, you know, I I was just talking yesterday, and a story broke last night that Andy Murray's going to go and play Newport on the grass, and then potentially Atlanta and Washington, and then all of the different. Uh, George, you just made a face. It's like some massive roller coming through. Someone uh, it's, got a big suitcase or something. No, it's just the wind, actually. Oh, right. Oh, okay. Yeah, this is one of the things about broadcasting outside. <laughs> you get lovely ambient noise, and it's a beautiful sunny day. And I'm using my uh, rucksack as a, a sort of wind break, but uh, it's not oh. entirely effective. But do let me know. If it's it's been again. doing okay on the whole. That yeah, was, I, think so. I wasn't sure if it was something going on outside my flat, which is why I made the face. There's <laughs> some building works going on. So. It's supposed to be a very short-range microphone, but uh, you know this is one of the things about listening to these podlets is they are raw. I don't edit anything out. It's just as it happens, so you get a bit of experience of what it's like for us doing it and uh, something a bit different. Um, yeah, I think Rafa's got to get to the end of the season, but so is Andy Murray, as I was saying. He's got a massively packed schedule now over the summer to try and get into those top 32 places to get seeded at the US Open because he doesn't want to draw John Isner in the second round again. Um I think that is going to have some pretty serious implications for his fitness. Rafa's certainly not going to do that, obviously, because he already is seeded. He already will be seeded. We can be virtually certain of that. I mean, Rafa, what, he might play one tournament on the hard courts, I reckon, 
Like who? I yeah. think is it Cincinnati? He usually plays. Yeah. Oh, he plays in Canada quite Toronto, a lot, doesn't he? Yeah, well, I think it's Montreal, in Montreal. Whichever way it is, this I think year. it's in Montreal yeah. this year. Um, for people who don't know, the the Canadian Masters 1000 hardcore event, the men's and the women's switch each year between Montreal and Toronto, so no one ever knows actually where it is this year. We should just call it the Rogers Cup to be safe, shouldn't we? Ah, uh, yes. Is that either way? This is like calling Hertenbosch Rosemarlin. <laughs> yeah. It's the shorthand to make sure you never really get it wrong. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I mean, it's one of those situations where we just say we shall see, but if we said we shall see, this would be a very boring podcast. Are we, are we sitting here now saying we both think Novak's going to win it? I mean, he's been bloody good, hasn't he, as well, let's be honest. I mean, looks pretty pretty imperial. <sighs> yeah, I mean, it's hard It's hard to look beyond him. I thought he wasn't perfect against Van Richthofen. Like, I thought... Yeah, he played well, though, didn't he? Yeah, perfect, I, just, I just, you know, I actually don't... I think if the roof had been open... Because that obviously favours Djokovic because it is... I mean, Jack Draper said the other day he expected it to be quicker with the roof shut. But, I mean, I don't think he's been watching very much tennis because it's always slower with the roof shut. It's more humid, the ball gets bigger, the ball just moves more slowly. It's a bit slipperier, which is maybe why he thought it might feel quicker. But it doesn't. And that's always going to suit Djokovic, especially against Van Richthofen, who's one of the bigger servers in the event. So um, I just thought he didn't move as well as he usually does. He, there were a few slips and trips and... Felt like he just didn't understand the surface as well as he usually does. Yeah, it's funny. I mean, he, he was a little bit like that last year, but that he normally kind of gets that out of his system in the first couple of rounds. There were a couple mm. of quite bad ones, weren't they, where you were kind mm. of watching, like, oh, bloody hell. You know, you think about, you know, talking in the context of Nadal potentially winning the calendar Grand Slam for, for Novak to, like, roll his ankle or something and go out of the tournament. I mean, that <laughs> that would be a pretty big gimme well, for Well, yeah, him. I have to say, I'm not an asterisk guy. I don't like asterisks. But if Djokovic like was unable to play Australia and the US and then got injured in Wimbledon, you'd have <laughs> uh, even I would potentially be pencilling in an asterisk there. Um, Any chance well. for Sinner today? I know it's um, probably won't be much time for listeners before that match. But... I think he's basically the same player, isn't he? It's, it's sort of the Kirill. Calvin says this a lot, and I do like it, which is when you get two players who are very similar and one of them is just better than the other, then like. <laughs> what you can do like obviously sorry I lost the sound then for a second no I am muted I muted for you to for you to interject deliberately I I hit mute oh it it cut off before you finished speaking I can see you still go yeah it's a bit weird we'll leave it in a bit raw why not Um, but (laughs) yeah no just for the record George I don't want this to become a habit where like we do full length pods (laughs) and you're just like let's leave it in I'm like no George we do some seamless <laughs> editing that the listeners never see. In some ways, I yeah, quite like I quite like doing this because it allows me to say that I do all the editing, and the fact that you don't hear more of this is because I work extremely yeah. hard at one in the morning editing it all out. Absolutely, and we we should definitely have like a little section of the podcast where you where we praise your production value every week. I think that that should be added as a credit at the end. But what if the guy under who, the what, new song? What if the guy who actually edits it then just cuts that out? Yeah. <laughs> Well, that would be uh, mean for him to cut himself out, I guess. Uh, do you think Sinner's got a chance against Djokovic? Um, no, not really, but he's playing better than I thought he would. I kind of thought he might lose to Vavrinka round one. That mm. felt like a bit of banana skin. Uh, Never yeah. looked that comfortable on the grass. Um, but he, he's impressed me. He did really well against Alcaraz, I thought. Um, you know, I think I, I wasn't really buying this idea that Alcaraz was one of the top top favorites for this tournament given his kind of inexperience on the grass um and there's still clearly you know a bit of a way for him to climb he'll, he'll be there and thereabouts at the us i'm sure but 
you know, on the other surfaces. He's maybe got a little bit of work to do, but yeah, no, I th I've been impressed with Sinner. I think he's played some good stuff. He's hitting the ball really well. You know, he, he's got a, he arguably strikes the ball harder than Djokovic in some ways. He can hit through, he's capable of hitting through him. Um, but on a grass court, I'm, I'm just not sure. I, I, I really struggle to see Djokovic not making the final, to be honest. Like, mm. as, as good as Goffin and Norrie have been, you know, the draw's kind of fallen apart a little bit. He's avoided her cats. I think he'll be pretty happy with how this has panned out for him. And then one of Kyrgios and Nadal probably in the final, I think. He'll, he'll feel pretty confident that Kyrgios will either have his body hanging off or Nadal will have his foot hanging off. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah it's hard to see exactly how Nick Kyrgios stays in one shape for the whole uh, the whole fortnight. That, of course, is one of the advantages of match point tennis championships is that you don't have to worry about Nick Kyrgios breaking down. As far as I know, the game uh, for which we're very grateful, the sponsorship of this podcast over the championships... Uh, I don't think they have injuries in there. I've certainly not got injured. George, I mean, you're the you're made of glass. I imagine your video game character gets <laughs> yeah, injured as I'm well. I'm yet to be injured. I'm yet to be injured on the game. I had a good tussle with my brother where we played Kyrgios versus Medvedev, and I'm, I'm sad to say I went down 6-4, 7-5, which is probably quite realistic, a scoreline um, for Medvedev to be beating Kyrgios. It's also quite close, you know. I mean, I, close, I, yeah. I, I, I guess you were both learning the game, so you're sort of on a similar level, but it's quite nice <laughs> that you were immediately so close. Yeah, he's a, he's a, he was a little bit ahead of me. I was kind of just like hanging on to my serve, really. You know, that right. uh, my general game wasn't great. It's quite hard, actually. Like the kind of you're getting used to like the distances, and it, it's probably not going to be very um, useful saying that unless you've actually played the game. But it's quite hard to kind of keep it in the not go long. I think mm. quite often initially yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. until you get used to like the aiming of it. But it's a brilliant game. Like yeah. really, as you say, you said intuitive. I remember when you first talked about it a few weeks ago before I'd played and. I think that's just such a perfect description of it. Like, it's actually, you really feel kind of immersed in the game as you're going through it. Um, yeah, I've really enjoyed it. So thanks to them for bringing this to life and, uh, yeah, get get playing. Yeah, and um, we talk a lot in other sports about how important it is to have a decent video game. It's a really good mm. way to connect with people. Um, you can help tennis move forward by uh, pre-ordering it from game now before the 7th of July. It's on PC, Xbox, Xbox Game Pass will be on as well, PlayStation 4 and 5, uh, and it comes out on the 7th of July. So you can pre-order it now, uh, so then make sure you get it on Thursday, or you can buy it on Thursday, but I would pre-order it. And George, I've promised that we will play some online games against listeners if they want to um, in Can't the wait. week after Wimbledon so that should be a good laugh um, we've not talked very much about the women's draw um, which is yeah, just the I mean just insane as usual George let's focus kind of on what happened yesterday um, or at least the players we got through uh, Rivakina Tom Janovic Halep and Anna Samova of those four who do you think is going to the final oh that's a good question I, this, I is, this is definitely the stronger half by a long yes. way like yeah, I, sure. I Jabur just walks the other half. You'd have thought. You'd yeah. have thought. I mean, yeah. You know, sort of with the usual WTA caveat, you Jabur work, walks the bottom half. You, yeah. And you'd hope so for the tournament in many ways as well. Mm. Um, yeah. I think, you know, she's had such a great year that it's nice for it to be rewarded um, in a big final. I'd probably lean towards Halep. I thought she played really well against Bedosa. Um, mm. Got the experience of kind of winning slams. I think Calvin would be saying Anisimova, um, mm. who also has played some really good stuff. It was a great win over Goff. I watched that. Um, I watched bits of her against Tan yesterday as well. I mean, Tan, to be honest, we're talking about Dimonor being a decent fourth-round opponent. 
think Tan's an absolute dream fourth round opponent at a slam as well as she's done. You know, that's a match that Anisimova was always kind of very likely to go and win. Hmm. Um, I've got Ribakina is always dangerous. Like, I do always kind of think around this stage, I wouldn't want to be turning up against her. It's a great serve. Got a lot about her. And Tom Lanovich, you know, she, she loves the grass. She did really well here last year. I don't think Tom... I don't think any of the players in that top half should be looking at this draw like, oh, I'd struggle to beat them. I think there's a lot of kind of 49, 51 battles so, in there. So just just to sort of reiterate, when I said, who do you think going to the final, you've gone for all I've four kind of, of just gone for everyone, haven't I? Um, <laughs> you have I, to I'll go, I'll go for, I, I will go for Halep. She, I, the way she played yesterday was the best performance I've seen in the women's draw mm. so far um, mm. against the highest level opponent. But albeit Bedosa needs to Bedosa hasn't got a big match. Like she hasn't got a big result, has she? Yeah. That's what but she close, needs. Closely followed by Anisimova. And mm. I, I, I'm leaning towards them winning the tournament over Jabor at the minute. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm kinda with you. But it's one of those things where it's like you know how Djokovic we sometimes say, Oh, he hasn't been tested yet and it's because actually oh, here's a windy bit. Here's a very windy yeah. bit. Um and it's actually because she hasn't played anyone he hasn't played anyone decent. Well he has, but he just made them look really bad. So you're kind of stuck betwixt and between trying to say, Oh, he's not been tested. It's like well he has, but he just made quite good players look incredibly poor. Yeah. The Mertens match was decent, wasn't it? I mean that that was competitive. Um yeah. you'd expect yeah. him to be winning that. Um but I mean look She's beaten two qualifiers first two rounds. Diane Parry, Mertens. You know, that that's a pretty fantastic draw. And then you're looking at Buzkova, one of Maria or Niemeyer, who, you know, Niemeyer, another one, James, that you have to say, you've been... I have been banging the Niemeyer could be dangerous. So um, it'd be nice if, if she got to the final, or if <laughs> wins it, you might be able to claim... You always did caveat a little bit carefully with the, like, she should be really good on grass, I can't but I'm not believe, sure I she is. I cannot believe that you are giving me shit for, like, a caveat. <laughs> like, the, the king of the caveat, the, the, the caveating pot calling the kettle caveat, sir. Um, uh, yes, I, I have been mentioning that she has a chance. It's just because I didn't like her draw, but I should have just forgotten about the draw because it doesn't matter because everyone just loses. It's pointless, isn't it? I just I don't even know why I bother looking at the draw for, um, for <laughs> WTA fantasy. slams this year. Yeah. I, when I was listening back to your pod um, from the other night, I heard you like saying this is Ostapenko's, and I was like, yes, I know. That's why I picked her at the start of the tournament, and then mm. of course she lost straight away from the moment you think she's actually going to win this thing is yeah. of course the moment she lost um but yeah, yeah you know just give up trying to predict women's tennis don't you really <laughs> but we do keep trying which is the we important do keep trying thing. so how uh, jabor final is what i'm going for if, okay. if we're sticking with a prediction yeah i think I, I i do like calvin's um interest in anisimova i think she is a good player uh i thought she put away harmony tan like i know you don't think harmony tan's any good but I watched the Goff match, and actually, the only time Goff had any success against her was when she played like softball and yeah. just like played a lot of slice. And Anisimova struggled to pick that ball up and put the pace on it. Um, and I, I think people might learn from that a bit. I mean, Tan just doesn't have enough maybe to knock her off the court, but it'll be interesting to see how she goes in the in the quarterfinals, where she's obviously got well the pick of the quarterfinals, frankly, against Halep. I mean, Anisimova, I will be vaguely annoyed if she wins this title because I obviously picked her at the start of the year in terms of 
highest ranking climb, and she's mm. already done a bloody good job there. But to then lose two thousand points for a slam in that competition would would feel like a bit of a a kick in the slap seat. in the face. But. Yeah, um, I think that's all we've got time for. The wind is starting to get up. The the children are starting to arrive on site, which is always means it's going to get noisier. Uh, George, thank you very much for finally making it onto a podcast. Um, I'm sure I'll see you again in a couple of weeks. Uh, meanwhile, please do you come back and listen to our next podlet. Um, and do leave us a rating and a review wherever you can. It's been a joy having you, as always. Sports Social Podcast Network.